This special episode of the Double Technical Podcast is brought to you by Mad Priest Coffee. If you're looking for a coffee that helps the world and also doesn't hurt your wallet, check out some of their subscription packages. Their single origin is the one that I recommend. The Mad Priest Coffee employs and educates refugees in the local area in Chattanooga, and their coffee is also damn good. So check them out. You can find them at Mad Priest Coffee on Twitter.com. And you can find them at Mad Priest Coffee on Instagram as well. Drink it up. Anything's possible! All right, welcome back to the Double Technical with Frank and Trevor. We're back just in time for the NBA Finals. Uh, how you feeling, Frank? You know we'd do it again. You knew we would come back. Yeah, we uh, we took a break last year. Uh, just some <laughs> housekeeping notes. A few things happened since we've uh, last dis- discussed uh, basketball with you guys. Um, I did a cross-country move to uh, sunny Southern California. And uh, yeah, it's it's been great. Got to check out a few Lakers games. Uh, get to see... Uh, the the folks uh <laughs> for the lakers out here every now and again um, absolutely it's pretty cool man it's uh it's pretty cool being at a getting an acai bowl and seeing kyle kuzma you know <laughs> yeah that was pretty sweet <laughs> oh, you know what's, what's, what's funny was i actually did see kyle in uh, minneapolis as well see we're twins yeah pretty much yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's uh what's been going on with you since the last time uh the listeners heard I, from us I think I might have moved twice. I, I'm not, I don't remember the exact date, but I think I moved both down to Nashville uh, and then back up to Minnesota. So distance-wise, I think we might have covered almost the exact same same amount. <laughs> yeah, just about, and the weather is uh, fairly similar, kind of. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. Joking. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're back for a special occasion. Not really. We're going to make this a habit. So uh, get used to us and make sure to like and subscribe us. Uh, Give us a review. We always appreciate it. So Frank and I are back to talk about the NBA Finals. Uh, Right now, we're in the midst of a incredible series. If you're a Golden State Warriors fan, Um, we're looking at a 2-0 series lead for the Warriors. Really, nothing unexpected has occurred. LeBron James has played out of this world. Uh, Stephen Curry has uh, been shooting the lights out. Clay Thompson, despite an ankle injury, has been playing very well. Draymond Green has not been loading up the stat sheet, but has been doing his normal Draymond Green things and being just the glue that keeps that team together. And Kevin Durant... It's funny, he's being criticized in national media a lot, but uh, Kevin Durant has been putting together a lot of great games over the course of the series. So what are your initial thoughts about the current series, and how do you feel it's going? Well, at first I thought when you were starting to say an incredible, I thought you were going to say an incredible Twitter feud, feud between the two of us. <laughs> we have Talking been about uh, officiating. Yes. We, we have uh, been arguing officiating. That is true. A little bit, yeah. But no, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And then, I mean, I know Steph Curry got all the credit for the last game, but you look at the stat sheet, Kevin Durant, 71.4% field goal percentage on last game, which is just ridiculous i mean he's hitting everything from mid-range three points i I feel like i know you said 
<laughs> I know you said Draymond's been the glue, but I think I think Kevin's really been the key to, uh, especially game one, just hanging around, and then, you know, through the first two and a half quarters, it was all Kevin Durant until Curry took over. What's really been interesting about the series so far is the fact that Kevin Durant's been, again, being criticized uh, through the national media. I'm not going to say any names, but um, it has been interesting because his real plus minus in the last game was uh, plus 24. That led the Warriors. Uh, the closest was Draymond Green with uh, plus 19 and Steph Curry with plus 19. Like you said, he's sh he shot 71% from the field. I mean, the guy's been playing incredible you know, rebounding assists, you know, seven assists, nine rebounds. What more can you say? I mean, he's the real MVP right now to me. I mean, Steph is loading up the loading up the stat sheet. He set a record yesterday, uh, surpassing Ray Allen by making nine three point field goals. Um, you know, it, what more can you say? It, it, it's a sexy pick to say that Steph's been the leader of the team, uh, but if you are watching, I mean, it's hard not to say Kevin Durant. In my in my opinion, I mean, I've been wrong before. No, I I totally agree with that, and I think when you talk about Kevin Durant, it's just no one can guard him. I feel like, you know, the Cleveland has really tried to key in on Steph and and kept keep the ball out of his hands, and you know for portions of each game that they, they did a pretty good job but in terms of you know stopping Kevin Durant they just have they literally have no answer for him right and other than Kevin Durant <laughs> well and it's been interesting because throughout the games when I've been watching I've been watching uh with some folks and it's just like I tell them every every time he's got the ball that he's unguardable he's literally you cannot guard him the only thing that can happen is he misses the shot he's you know a, a, a true seven footer He's, he's got length. He does it all. He's got a handle. He's a great jump shooter. I think that's something that people for, people are surprised that Kevin Durant's a phenomenal jump shooter. Isn't that funny? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, no. And it, they've got a team full of all-time great shooters. You know, they've got three great shooters. And then, you know, it's 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 fun. It's, it's, it's fun to watch them. We'd be remiss, though, if we just made this a Golden State Warriors podcast and, you know, we've got to talk about the king, okay? I, I mean, I wouldn't be remiss. I would be pissed because <laughs> <laughs> I, I said it two years ago. I'll say it again. I'm, I'm not a Cleveland fan, but I am a avid Golden State. Um, this, I don't think hater is the correct term, but, you know, I, I would say I'm a bit more critical of them than, than maybe you, you find yourself to be. Yeah, I... Uh... I don't know what it is. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, maybe it's that I'm paying California taxes and I'm just going for the the home California team now. I don't know. <laughs> it, it could be that. I mean, I think I, a really interesting podcast from uh, Malcolm Gladwell a couple weeks ago. He was talking about how cheering for the favorite is the more empathetic view mm -hmm. because uh, the favorite has so much more to lose if they actually do lose. And I, I do see that coming from Golden State. You know, like if they lose, it's it's somewhat crushing at this point. And if LeBron loses, he just goes to Houston next year. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe he has a point to it. I don't know. You know, with just – I can't jump on the bandwagon fully uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but what I can say is that – and I was, I was actually talking to my dad about it. Um, he, he said, you know, that Curry's something else. And he's like, I'm actually watching the finals, which is interesting because my dad hasn't watched the finals since uh, the 90s Bulls. 
And um, it was just kind of funny because he, he said, you know, the game's just different. And I was like, yeah, it's beautiful now, right? I mean, the passing, the, the shooting. He's like, yeah, and those guys are shooting 35-footers like it's nothing, you yeah. know? And just the way that they come off screens, the way that they move, the way that they move the ball, the way that they're passing, it's just another level that we haven't seen before. And what you're starting to see in the league is, whether it be the Boston Celtics or other teams like Philly, look at Philly. Ben Simmons is a facilitator. He's, you know, a larger point guard, obviously. He's more of a small forward, point forward guy. What you're seeing with these guys, though, is they're they're always looking for not necessarily to get theirs they're always looking for the right shot you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? and that that's been fun now with houston and teams like that you're seeing a lot of iso ball and a lot of uh you know one-on-one but then when you look at these other teams as they're starting to move to mimic what golden state's doing it's been very interesting and i, I think parody's gonna going to really bring a lot of great basketball in the coming years um, yeah, man, so I think it already has. I mean, that that Houston series was super competitive until CP went down. Yeah, until the first ball injury, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think like you said in a tweet, I think that was yesterday, just talking about how if you have length at every position, um, you weren't applying it to Golden State, but I mean, you can actually guard Golden State if you have the right athletes. But uh, to your point in that tweet. Cleveland does not have the right combination of athletes for they, they for this series to be a very good matchup. They've got well, that's what's interesting about about Cleveland, and and let's just jump right into it and start talking about these guys. So you're looking at Cleveland; their starting lineup is abysmal, in my opinion. If you're starting Tristan Thompson, you're probably not sitting pretty. Um, anytime you're relying on a guy like Jeff Green, you're probably not in good position to, to get a W. J.R. Smith has been abysmal. Now, let me say this. As an avid J.R. Smith fan, as a Team Swish advocate since the beginning, I got to say I'm really disappointed. Um, oh, by the way, if, you, if you're if you discounting my fanhood for J.R. Smith, I once <laughs> bought a Team Swish jer- or shirt that said J.R. for president, and uh, I wore it proudly everywhere. And it was the same time that he was not wearing a shirt anywhere, so I was wearing the shirt enough for the both of us. But uh, JR has really disappointed me. His real plus minus last game was a uh, minus nine for 31 minutes. He had five points. <laughs> he was two of nine, uh, 22% from the field. He jacked up four threes and only made one of them. I mean, the guy's playing terrible. Uh, he was over one from the free or free throw. He's been abysmal. Um, who else do they have outside of him? They've got what? Larry Nance, uh, Kyle Corver. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Corver, uh, who had a negative 19 plus minus. So that's great. But I would say the most egregious offense out of all of them is, uh, your guy, Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> My guy. I like that. Team. What was, team Clarkson. <laughs> what was Jordan? What was Jordan Clarkson doing last game? Could just, I, I'm perplexed. Jordan's got a certain energy about him. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah. Irrational confidence. Well, he definitely has the irrational confidence, but he, he, I don't. I mean, he just. I, I don't know if he like shotguns a monster every time before he comes into the game, but he is just riled up and and ready to run. I, yeah, I don't. No I don't know where he was going. I don't know what he was doing. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like if he was playing 
NC, like if he was a six man on like a Kentucky team right now, I think he might be a pretty good player. But to try to come out and play in the NBA Finals has just been embarrassing. What can you really say about this Cavaliers team that's positive? You know, they're, I mean, they're. I, well, I mean, in some ways they're built to support LeBron, but they they just don't really have the pieces. Um, you know, I think George Hill showed in flashes in game two that he could be, you know, an adequate backup point guard. But when he's your starting point guard against Steph Curry and playing against Clay, like it's it's just not not really a fair matchup. Um, I, I had big hopes for Larry Nance when he came over. And I just I mean, I think, to be honest, that's where coaching takes it huge huge part of this and and a lot of the blame where you know you have a couple guys you have Jeff Green you have Larry Nance who who could actually guard in this series but because they're both you know such poor creators on offense you just you just can't play both of them around LeBron very much right you know when the trades went down during the uh, regular season before the deadline it was kind of interesting because immediately after it's like LeBron made the moves. All oh, these are great mm-hmm. moves. They're definitely going to win the East. And, you know, they go on like a four-game winning streak or whatever, and then everyone's ready to crown them the, you know, greatest team that the Eastern Conference has seen since, you know, the 86 Celtics. And I didn't buy into it. I don't think you bought into it. We all said, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, none of these guys are battle-tested. And mm-hmm. what was really funny was the most valuable guy that people thought that they got was Rodney Hood, who's oh, yeah. pretty much disappeared. He, I mean, he's been abysmal. And, you know, you really feel for the guy because, I mean, he can light up the light up the, the box score if he wants to. It's just something seems to be going on with him uh, during the playoffs. Maybe the stage is too big. Maybe there was too much pressure too fast. I'm not exactly sure, but it is disappointing. The other thing that I wanted to touch on, though, was the fact that you cannot discount the fact that LeBron James played all 82 games. He's played, obviously, every game in the playoffs. He's going for about 45 minutes a game in the playoffs. Even he can't sustain this if it goes any more than five games, in my opinion. I just think that he's exhausted. You can tell he's frustrated. You can tell he wants more. You can tell that he wants the coaching to be better. You can tell that he wants these guys to play better. You can tell that he he wants better passing, crisper passing, cut down on the turnovers, and it's really sad to see him during timeouts kind of sitting by himself with a towel over his face you know (laughs) yeah for sure no I mean I think I think that's fair um I I will say I mean through two games it's hard to find any fault in his performance you know shooting better than 50 percent from the field shooting almost 50 percent from three and you know shooting a playoff out of his three three or four series four series this this playoffs the best free throw percentage of the whole playoffs. So, I mean, I think it's really hard to find any fault. I, I do, I did like his approach to game two though, in some regards where he was just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to create for you guys and you know, whatever happens happens. And then, you know, kind of being more assertive in, in times where they were, it was starting to slip away. But what does it say about 
the state of the Cavaliers where you had two two different types of games from LeBron, right? So 51 in game one yep. and a loss. 29, you know, in game two. Mm-hmm. And he, he was looking to facilitate a little bit more. That he's trying everything. What is what's the next option for him? Is it just continue to play bully ball on Steph when he gets a switch and try to expose him? Or I, there, I am at a loss for exactly where LeBron James goes from here, other than to a different area code. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, yeah. I I think that's that's the most logical conclusion. I I do think you know you look at how they played in the series the first two games in every series, they played quite poorly. They get back at home, they settle down, they shoot better. You know, I, I still wouldn't rule out six games in the series or or even a seventh game if LeBron keeps playing like he's playing. I, I think, you know, I said in a couple of tweets uh, the last two days, you know, the narrative is that this is over, but when you really are analyzing the game, the Cavs have hung around, and we kind of lose out on you know, what happened last year. But if, if you look at last year, they they were right there in a number of games and it just couldn't close it out or they just couldn't quite hang in some of those third quarters. So I think, you know, for them, I, I mean, 0-2 can't be that discouraging, especially considering the way that they lost game one where they were right there on the cusp and it took some, you know, historically bad decision-making. Um, and, and also, you know, I think Cavs fans would argue a couple questionable calls to... Uh, to help them lose that game once. I mean, I think, you know, really if they could take a step back and zoom out, they should be, they should have been more encouraged coming out of the game too than, than really what the overall narrative was. Right. Again, with the refereeing. (laughs) You want to talk about it? We can, we can talk about it. Uh, yeah, let's talk about it. So, so why don't you, why don't you state your case against and, and I will, uh, I will state my case for, I've been watching basketball for 25 years now. And <laughs> I've never once been satisfied with the refereeing in a game. <laughs> um, particularly when my team's playing. When my favorite yeah. team is playing, it's usually never um, it's usually never in our favor. Uh, in my opinion, just as a fan. Um, but I'll say this. The, the, the refereeing discussion to me, anytime that it involves LeBron James, is is um i'm not gonna shed any crocodile tears uh it was kind of funny um on simmons's pot bill simmons's podcast uh on sunday i believe he had uh andy sandberg on and he was talking about game one and he was sitting courtside and i guess he saw uh lebron got called for a foul and lebron was just yelling through his hands and there was complaining to the referees and samberg was like oh how many fouls does he have and they're like that's foul number one on number two three and he was like yeah shut up lebron and that's kind of how i feel it, it, the guy's never fouled anyone um if he if he if he takes a if he takes a bump it's like he he got you know he got hit with a sniper and, and it's just you know I'm over it. I'm just, I'm over it. And I'm done talking about officiating. uh, It's every game, you know, in Cleveland. Guess what? You're probably going to see a a complete turnaround and the calls are going to be going Cleveland's way. There's no doubt that you're, you're going to get some favorable calls uh, when, when you're the home team. That's, that's the nature of the beast. However, uh, 
some of the calls were egregious in this last game, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know discount that. Uh, so I'm gonna kind of walk back my initial uh, my initial uh, jab I took, but but I will say that I don't I don't feel bad for him. I don't you know I I find it hard to to find empathy in my in my soul, especially considering I watched the last series where you know I saw him taking taking a few uh smaller guys like terry rosier and manhandling them and uh not getting called so you know it is what it is you're the king you're the best you're goat james show me yeah no i mean i think i think there's two two aspects of it there's one the way that lebron is officiated at a macro level where you know just like james harden and just like kobe and just like michael you know they might have got away with a, a few extra steps here and there some worse than others. Um, <clears throat> I also think there's a specific way that he's officiated in terms of his drives to the basket where, you know, he does get away with a forearm. He does get away with a little bit more contact going towards the basket because they give him so so few fouls on those drives. You know, when you look at the amount of contact that, that he takes from a defender as opposed to, like, when Steph Curry is going to the basket and somebody, you know, <laughs> breaks the Ritz cracker... <laughs> <laughs> on the way there um you know it's just totally different so i mean i think you have to take the good with the bad on the lebron side but i think from this series you know it's really just some of these these over-the-top calls that that golden state has gotten away with specifically so one from game two was clay thompson jumped from you know the three-point line almost into uh san francisco proper and <laughs> after after getting i think it was kevin love on a pump fake um you know, and he missed the first free throw, and Jeff Van Gundy called out, "Ball don't lie." So I mean, I think, I think there, there's been a few too many of those for me. There was another Steph Curry four point play in that game that I thought was was fairly weak, um, and you know, I mean, those things make a big impact when you know some of the momentum is starting to swing back towards Cleveland. The biggest one in Game Two was that that no call on the the full court pass to LeBron, where Curry basically just fell down at his feet. And tripped tripped LeBron up. You know, I'm some. I'm trying to think about. In all honesty, it's. I just I I can't I just I just can't get I can't get there, Frank. I just can't get there. <laughs> I, I'm trying. This isn't good radio, I know, but I just no, can't get there. Yeah. And the the reason why I can't get there is. Can can we really say that it changed momentum more than Jordan Clarkson jacking up ill-advised shots or, you know, J.R. Smith doing J.R. Smith things or Tristan Thompson being overly aggressive and, you know, I mean, can we really say that it's on the officials? I mean, I'm looking at this team and I'm, they haven't shown anything to me that says that they can hang with these guys when it's all said and done. And and at the end of the day, we've had this discussion so many times where Kevin Durant in game one had a, had a poor first half, right? By his mm-hmm. standards. Yep. But it didn't matter. <laughs> these yep. things don't matter. When one guy has a bad day, the other three pull it together. Oh, by the way, here's the other thing that's interesting, and I, I, I wanted to bring this up. The LeBron James 
stopper for the Warriors hasn't played a minute this series. And that's Andre I Iguodala. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I, once you put stopper in quotations after after the last two previous finals. He defends LeBron better than anyone on that team. I, I would agree that that's been the narrative, but I think when you look at the, the head-to-head matchup, it, he, he still can kind of score whenever he wants to. <laughs> Maybe I mean, Stopper I, he, was he, a, a bit uh, I mean, a bit I, I agree with you. That's what he's been labeled for sure. Um, and he is no doubt one of the best defenders of the last 15 years. Um, but I think, I think what will be interesting is, and we saw it a lot in the first half of game one was Cleveland going to almost almost a triangle where they put they put LeBron up on up on the elbow and run their offense out of there. I think if if equal that if if Iggy, I, I like to call him Iggy now that I know that he doesn't like it. If if <laughs> Iggy comes back in the series, I mean I think you're gonna see that a lot more. I d I don't know why they, they went away with it in, in game two. Um, but I I think in terms of saving LeBron in terms of Working in some of those other guys that don't don't play very well when LeBron's starting 28 feet out, uh, I'm looking at you, Larry Nance Jr. Um, I, I think that would get those guys a lot more involved and would would take out a lot of the that Iggy factor where he's really effective in keeping LeBron from even entering the paint. I will give him that credit for that. He he does a really good job keeping LeBron outside. It'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes back. Um, he, I believe I read he's probable for Game Three. I I, I didn't see that, but I I believe it. I know I know they said he was feeling a lot better and had gone through some some shooting prior to Game Two even. So, so more to come on that. So, right now let's talk about kind of where we see Game Three. We'll do a quick preview and then. Uh, Take a quick break and uh, come back on the other side. All right. Trev, you know what pairs great with a very even, well-officiated NBA Finals game? What's that, Frank? Chicken wings, man. And if you're in Memphis, there's no better way to enjoy the game than get wings from Bosses. Bosses Restaurant is located in scenic and muggy Memphis, Tennessee, and was named one of the top 15 chicken wing spots in the U.S. by Men's Journal. Whether you go traditional, Bosses hot, or the questionable decision sauce, you really can't go wrong. So head over to Bosses the next time you're in Memphis and tell them the double technical sent you. Check out Bosses. Ask for John. Right out there on Poplar. And we're back. So we're going to get into uh, a Game 3 preview here. Um, game 3 is in Cleveland. Uh, what are you thinking, Frank? Uh, I think Cleveland's going to win. I think they're going to come out. Like I said, I think they're going to utilize that that position for LeBron from from the elbow a lot more. I think you're going to see some guys actually shooting well. You're going to see JR finally stroking some threes. I think you're going to see a little bit more Kyle Korver. Um in, in those uh, second quarter, maybe even in late third quarter where he's, he's getting hot and possibly can not be a huge defensive liability. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think, I think it'll, be, it'll be a close game, but I think I, th- I could see Cleveland in the end winning by 8 or 10. It's a possibility. You know, after watching Cleveland play at home the last series, it, it, they, they're a completely different team at home. You know, they play with energy. They play with a lot of heart. Uh, Corver makes a lot more shots at home, and so does uh, my friend JR. 
Uh, yeah. Clarkson tends to play well, and Tristan Thompson's got great energy at, at home. Um, so it'll be interesting. One guy we haven't really talked about is uh, Kevin Love, and I think Kevin Love, um, you know, he, he had a decent game in, uh, in game two. I think that he'll put forward another good game. Uh, he's rebounding. He's doing his job. He's kind of staying with his element. I think he'll have a big game. Uh, LeBron is going to be LeBron. Uh, before the series, we did some picks. I said it would be Warriors in six. I still think that it's a possibility, even though I went uh, I went full crazy last night and started tweeting out, uh, why isn't there a broom emoji at Apple? <laughs> Hashtag NBA Finals. So uh, these are all questions that need to be answered. Why isn't there a broom emoji? Maybe because this isn't going to be a sweep. So uh, I, w- I would say that's probably <laughs> the most accurate. <laughs> so just my opinion. I think that uh, I think you're right. I think the Cavs. I think the Cavs will come out and uh, get a good counter punch. Um, and and I think they. I think they'll take game three. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really doubt that there's going to be a sweep. I think. LeBron still has at least one incredible game up his sleeve, similar to game one where, you know, he just comes out, he shoots 60% of the field, and he just says, give me the ball, I'm going to cook. So, I mean, whether that's game three or game four, who's to say? Um, Is Tyron Lue a good coach? No, no, (laughs) not not remotely close, not in the ballpark of being a good coach. I think, you know, his team respects him enough that, you know, he tells them when to go in and out of the game. But in terms of awareness, in terms of drawing up plays, you know, he he would be a, a good apprentice to um, <laughs> so most of the other coaches in the league. Yeah, you know, uh, Tyron Lue's coming from the Doc Rivers coaching tree. So uh, you tell yep. me. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's, very, it's a very laissez-faire. And I think, you know, there's, there's some coaches, you look at D'Antoni and, you know, genius system he's adapted incredibly well with that team that he has in houston but still when you get down to the x's and o's and you know adaptation within a series or within a game you know i i still think there are much greater tacticians Uh, you look at a coach like brad stevens who you know is going through his head and probably has six or seven different inbounds passes in the middle of the third quarter i don't really see tyron drawing up a lot of plays for a random inbounds play so I mean I think it's just a it's just a different level of, you know it's it's chess a little bit more than checkers even though I don't necessarily love that analogy but I think I think a lot of times, you know the better coaches they they will make their team much better within specific circumstances and I think, you know, <laughs> he's just not gonna help adapt the team very well other than maybe, you know resting LeBron an extra minute in in game two. The interesting thing is. You know, you talk about a lot of the respected guys around the league, like Mike Brown, and and you know, everyone always wonders why Mike Brown continues to get jobs. Mm-hmm. I think Mike Brown might actually, you know, not. I, I mean, I, he he might be like a Ty Lue, where you're a better apprentice or you're a better uh, assistant than a head coach, or maybe the problem was he had to coach LeBron James. You know, right? Um, well, LeBron is a he's a challenge because his, I mean, you basically have to relearn everything you knew about the geometry of of basketball i mean he he bends the court so much around him there's so much pressure coming at him from all angles that you know you have to change your offense you have to change your schemes you have to change your plays and and pretty much even if you you did have all that figured out before you started coaching lebron unless you adapt to that 
you know, you're not really going to be that successful. You're not going to optimize his strengths. Yeah, so you're basically saying that the Bulls had the triangle and LeBron's the Bermuda Triangle. LeBron, or LeBron is, <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily say the Bermuda Triangle because the ball comes out of LeBron, LeBron's hands a lot. It's just that, you know, he shifts so much attention to wherever he has the ball that, you know, you really need to have, I mean, like from this series, you know, drawing up a lot of on-the-ball stuff, but you also need to have a secondary screener going to create movement on the other side of the court. Now, if you had a team that was a bit more athletic uh, or somebody who could possibly create something off the dribble, which they definitely don't have. They used you know, to. They, they did. I forgot what that guy's name was. was he, it he was... Uh, Uncle uh, something, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was one guy. They also had another guy, though. He had a bum hip, but he, he did okay. I mean, he... He could be healthy during the playoffs. Oh, well, no, he's getting surgery done. But I think yep. <laughs> had IT been healthy, he might have been helpful uh, coming off the bench in the playoffs. Oh, for sure. As a as a second team, that would have been so helpful. I mean, just in terms of rest for LeBron, like if you could have just given IT the ball and said, all right, LeBron's taking two minutes off, you go get your 10 points. Like that would have been a huge boost to the team where it's not just, you know, you're going negative eight every time LeBron sits out for a minute against this right. team right now. So in that vein, let's have a little bit of fun here. So let's talk about, do we think that the trades, if you, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, do you think that, do you think right now that the Cavaliers would be in a better position with an Isaiah Thomas and a Jay Crowder? You know, I think... You know, I stand by what I said already about IT being a great second unit guy. I, I would be curious to see Jay Crowder in the playoffs because I'm not sure if we really saw the full Jay Crowder in his two-plus months of basketball this year for for the Cavs. I mean, he to me, he always looked slow. He looked, you know, like he'd lost at least a half step on defense. Um, but at the same time, you know he has that framework within that system from Boston where, you know, he can buckle down and play defense and get you stops. And it, it would be nice to have somebody who could uh, reliably play defense and be in the right place. So let's review these trades real quick. Are you ready? Yep. So the Cavaliers at the trading deadline traded Isaiah Thomas, Channing Fry, who could maybe be helpful right now. Channing Fry could have been helpful. You know, I, I he would be helpful because he could shoot threes better than the people that they've rolled out mm -hmm. so like far I, in the series. So they traded Isaiah Thomas and Channing Fry, and we'll ignore the pick for Clarkson and Nance. Uh, I think Nance, you're getting stump, you're getting something, you're getting something from from Larry Nance. Um, I like Larry Nance. I mean, I, I I think what you said, guys that just haven't been, you know, in in battle before. You know, they're not they're not really tested. You can see that he's just. You know, shooting free throws the other night, I think he almost broke the backboard. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, I, as a not great career free throw shooter, I, I totally understand just going out there and clunking one because you don't want to be short. But, you know, you can just tell that he's not quite ready for that stage. You know, one guy you haven't mentioned uh, who looked pretty good in the playoffs was Derrick Rose. <laughs> that's, that's true. For, a minute, for, your, for your new hometown team. For the for the two was yeah. He, How uh, crazy he, was that? Like that was so weird. I, that was the weirdest thing. Speaking of D Rose, he's still got an Adidas contract, and he's coming out with a new Derrick Rose signature shoe. And the weirdest, <laughs> I mean, he, he, we talk about legs for Jay Crowder, but his legs finally looked back in the playoffs. It was kind of amazing. That's I went to a couple true. of games 
earlier in the year, and I was just like, oh, man, I don't really – I guess I did recognize him from the last couple of years, but I didn't recognize him from 2010. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, he looked he looked great in the playoffs, and I think he would be a huge help in this series um, just in terms of getting up in Steph Curry, bothering those guys, and, you know, maybe creating a little bit off the dribble. You know, I just – I. I don't know when he took, he's taken two leave of absences the past two years. <laughs> and I, I don't, I just, I, I don't know if he, I, I don't know what he would do in the finals. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not a oh, guy. For sure. That's what's crazy about this team is I don't trust anyone but LeBron James and probably Kevin, you know, but, um, yep. so do you think that, Oh, here's another one. So George Hill and Rodney hood to the Cavaliers for Derek Rose and Jay Crowder to the jazz. So that was interesting. Um. Yeah. Oh, and also the Cavaliers unloaded Iman Shumpert. He could have helped. Yeah, I feel like Imam. He he would have just been in the uh, in the mix for this series of why they're shooting so poorly. I think he's a he's kind of the guy that goes out on the golf course and whatever his playing partner shoots, he shoots. So I, I think. I think he'd be shooting a solid 23% from three-point line as well. Hey, that's a percentage point higher than Jerry Smith. So. <laughs> that was exactly what I was looking at. That's hilarious. So, um, yeah, so you're again, you're looking at the Cavaliers got George Hill and Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood, who's essentially been uh, relegated to the G League. Um for Rose and Jay Crowder. I think Jay Crowder could have been extremely uh, beneficial. Um, you know, he would have done his normal corner three here and there that might have been helpful. Um, he would have missed about four or five threes in addition to the one corner three that he made. But uh, I think he could have been uh, a versatile defender. I'm big on defense. I, I think that that also low key, I think that's why the Warriors are so good is because they play such good defense. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, they don't play great position defense. They have a couple players, you know, all their centers that they rotate through are, are really good position defenders. Kevin Durant, super underrated for how well he moves and how well he, he pays attention to where the ball is on the offside. And, I mean, as say much something as something nice about Draymond. As much as I hate to say this, Draymond is an extremely good position defender. When you when you watch how he moves across the floor, he's always aware. He's always ready to come over and help. And and his rotations are, you know, just really, really impressive. So I mean I I think when you have when you have two guys that can really play lockdown defense and, and are aware of the help side, especially when one of them is seven foot tall and one of the faster guys on the floor, you know, they make up for a lot of weakness. You know, I think Clay is a good defender. Obviously, with this injury right now, you know, you, you can see that he gets out of position a little bit here and there, but he still has very good awareness on the help side. You know, I think to say that <laughs> Steph is a good defender is uh, giving him a little bit too much credit, but he does work hard. I mean, especially considering he was on LeBron for almost half the game. You know, just physically staying out there in front of LeBron is impressive just unto itself. I think you nailed it when you said he works hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I can't say that for all the other superstar uh, guards in the league. Um, he does put it out there, and and you're right. I was I'm glad you said it, and I didn't have to say it. Clay Thompson's an underrated defender. I mean, if he wasn't such a damn good shooter, people would talk about him being a great defender. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, obviously Draymond's Draymond. Is, I, I'm a fan. Um, I I love his game and I love his passion. His his outbursts don't bother me. Um, I think you need a little bit of that on your team to be a championship team. Um, I think Tristan Thompson kind of does that a little bit for uh, for the for the Cavaliers. Um, you got you got to have an energy guy. You got to have a guy who brings some level of toughness to him. I, I'm not, not going to give too much props to Draymond, just because I think that team is so good that you know if if he was the number one guy for another team, it would it would feel very different if he was going up against Boogie Cousins and didn't have help from four other positions. But at the same time, I mean he is very important to that team just in terms of bringing the energy and especially since, you know, after four finals, they really do have that on off switch. I think, you know, he really is that guy that, that flips that switch for him and says, you know, let's go guys, let's go kick some ass. Absolutely. And I mean, you saw him get up in Kevin Durant's face at the game and it was like, Oh, (laughs) yeah. So all that being said, um, I think that some of these trades could have helped out the, uh, help the Cavs and I think uh, you know like we said Bristol Fenders and all that stuff and we talked about defense for the Warriors let's go into some uh, some uh, theories or maybe some off the beaten path ideas you want to go first sure um, let's see I'm gonna I'm not gonna get too crazy but I'm gonna say Kyle Korver hits five five threes and a half Five threes and a half. Interesting. Um, so I am going to go crazy because I'm a fan and I love him. I think Team Swish is going to have a game. <laughs> I think I think, I think J.R. Smith is going to – J.R. might go for – J.R. might go for 28. You know, I th- I would love to agree with you, and, and I even thought of saying that, but just watching how – he's played the last two games you know when jr is playing well he's catching the ball and he's shooting it and i've just seen too many catching dribble thinking shooting like jr is best when there's no thought process at all it's just (laughs) (laughs) which is most of the time (laughs) it's just ball and hoop yeah you know um here's an even better one uh how about this jr is going 10 for 20 from the field. Okay. All of which will be three points, three point attempts. So he's going to have 30. (laughs) 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 He's going to break Curry's record. (laughs) If anybody was going to do it, it would be JR though. Look, that's my prediction. I'm putting it out there in the ether. It's going to happen. I like it. He will set the record from most attempts. I actually want it. Most threes. I want it to happen. I want I want Jr. to just immediately first two seconds of the game, right after right after they win the tip off. And it's that just, would be that would be great if he was so hot that LeBron was just going out of his way to facilitate. LeBron has fifteen assists. Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen assists. They're running Jr. Ten of which go to Jr. Ten of which go to Jr. So that's our predictions. Uh, oh, you know, Frank Scott Corver going uh, going for five threes um, in, a, in in the half, and I think Jerry's gonna break Curry's record with ten threes, and he's gonna go ten for twenty from behind the arc. That is my prediction. That is Frank's prediction. I think that's it, man. What do you think? 
I think it's pretty good. I also think there's probably almost as much chance of Jordan Clarkson making a shot at the wrong basket as Jared Smith <laughs> up in that many points. <laughs> so that would be my backup prediction for the game. I want Jordan Clarkson to become a meme again. <laughs> I love it. Well, cool, Frank, I think uh, that'll do it for uh, the triumphant return of the double technical. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. It's great to be back. Um, you know, I missed you guys. I, Frank and I have been chopping it up here and there, and we've been wanting to get back on the mics, so here we are. And uh, Frank, you have any closing uh, closing thoughts for uh, the wonderful listeners out there? We thank you guys. We uh, we thank bosses. We, we really appreciate you guys, and uh, we're excited to have lots more double technicals for you in the next month. Yep, and uh, just an FYI, we're going to be throwing out a uh, NBA draft preview show with uh, – the owner of said chicken spot Ooh. on Poplar in Memphis, Tennessee. So uh, be on the lookout for that, too. So for that, uh, I am your co-host, Trevor, and that's Frank. Thank and, you, uh, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Well, Frank, that was a lot of fun. I'm so glad we're back. It, it took a couple of years, but I'm, I'm ready to go and I'm fired up. It feels good. We got a few cross-country moves behind us. We're back in the game. The music is played. The fans are cheering. Everybody's excited for us to be back. With all Don't that being said, everybody is asking, how do we get in contact with you guys? Can we email? Can we call? Can we send a carrier pigeon? We prefer Twitter. So, uh, Frank, where can people find you at? You can find me at Noise Cancel Pod. At Noise Cancel Pod is where you can find Frank if you want to talk about Jordan Clarkson and his incredible game three that is upon us. Or you can get at me at Trevor Rayleigh if you want to talk about why Kyrie Irving is going to be the MVP next year. Nice. And I will probably retweet you. And uh, you can also find us on our new Instagram page at Double Technical. And uh, yeah, you can find us there and it'll be a lot of fun. Hit us up. I can't wait to argue with you. Lots of fun. That's what Twitter.com was made for. <laughs> for Frank and Trevor, we Signing are out of here. Enjoy the music. <laughs> you get music. You get music. You get music. <laughs> Peace. Peace is possible.